Breakdance. You've heard some idiot yodel. You've seen the deadly, fearsome, ferocious anger of a dead-eyed sea lion. What lies for G.I. Joe in episode 4 of the Pyramid of Darkness? Find out here on G.I. Joe Bird. in it okay people welcome oh things get quite confusing it's episode four of the pyramid of darkness entitled chaos in the sea of lost souls original air date september 19 1985 written by ron friedman and directed by john gibbs and terry lennon wikipedia provides an ample and somewhat quizzical summary cobra activates the pyramid of darkness leaving the Joes stranded at sea. The Crimson Twins anticipate Cobra Commander's treachery and signal for the Dreadnoks to relieve Zartan and Cobra Commander of Control. Alpine and Bazooka ally with Quick Kick, a stuntman and karate experts from Hollywood. <laughs> that is a karate expert. Carry on. That's all Wikipedia gives us. And Whoa. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it, huh? Yeah, thanks. That's the, real helpful. They jumped the gun on Cobra Commander's treachery. Yes. The thing is, these synopsis, they should kind of just give you enough. But not so much that it tells you twists that occur in the episode. Right off the bat, gentlemen, this is, episode is going to be hard to beat for yours truly. For this yours. is the episode which has... Absolutely every major plot device event crammed into one episode. Whereas we had filler episodes leading up to this point, the second part was such a filler where it seemed like very little was actually happening. The Joe's base was destroyed. They were basically just trying to find out more information on Cobra's plan to try and stop Cobra. They didn't do any actual stopping of Cobra in the episode, nor did they get convincingly thwarted. It just basically became an exposition episode. Episode number four is the opposite of that. It all fucking goes down in this episode. So it is the episode to beat, in my opinion. Incredible. That's a wonderful description, Stephen. Thank you. Anyone else got any preliminary remarks before we get stuck in? Impromptu nunchuck. <laughs> So, in the last episode, we were left with Alpine and Bazooka being eaten alive by evil seals. And how they are going to get out of this is they decide to rock the boat, as I think Alpine says. They temporarily get the seals to leave them alone, but the seals aren't having it. They're really hungry. They're <laughs> like, we haven't had any man flesh in, like, months. We fucking need our fix. <laughs> Paul, what saves them? Impromptu nunchucks! <laughs> I love them! Flying out of nowhere. Like, you think, what? Why is Storm Shadow saving them? Nope, it's not Storm Shadow. It is the hardiest Asian man you have ever met in your entire life. Standing in the middle of an Arctic wasteland. Shirtless. Shoeless. Shoeless. But still... Seal clubbing. Seal clubbing. He's fucking clubbing them from a distance. Yeah, he is Kung Fu personified. (laughs) With a mean John Wayne impersonation. His introduction is explosive. It is incredible. And he takes on Storm Shadow while not wearing a shirt. Yeah, he kicks Storm Shadow right out of his pajamas, man. Only after taking care of about four Crimson Guardsmen. Yeah, who appeared out of nowhere. Mm, Seems the Snow Serpents decided to dress down. Snake Eyes took on Spirit in one of the miniseries. Did he win that fight? Storm Shadow, you mean? Correct. Yeah, Storm Shadow versus Spirit. It was a tie, wasn't it, or not? Well, they're conflict had quite a an honorable resolution they decided to not continue fighting because it would only 
hasten their eventual demise. Yeah, they actually work together to get out of that little predicament. I was completely angered by the quick kick fight. Like, I didn't, <laughs> oh, yeah? I didn't feel like they represented Storm Shadow. Is it because he kind of wins it so convincingly? I don't know. Storm Shadow's just better than he is. Who would defend saying quick kick is better? I wouldn't say he's better, but he is a good martial artist. <laughs> he's a good martial artist, but I mean, especially coming off the comics, I think you kind of like quick kick, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, does he have any respect in any circles in G.I. Joe fandom? I personally like Quick Kick. I think uh, he's cool. In my Joeverse, Quick Kick is a martial arts instructor for the G.I. Joes. I don't necessarily have him doing missions or anything. In this, I can't think of any other foil for Storm Shadow at this point. We've had him in spirit, so... And he's also Asian. I mean, I don't want to sound weird and cliche here, but... Why wasn't (laughs) he doing the breakdancing? Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, the fight ends on basically like an old ninja kind of where they run at each other and slice, but they do it with a straight-on kick or something. Yes, which is brilliant. But just before that, Stormshare launches three throwing stars. Quick kick's like, ah, fuck that shit. He throws one, which knocks all three out of the way. Um, He's just incredible. But definitely the resolution to that fight is fast, it's quick, and it's done with a kick. It feels very cinematic, very true to samurai films. Oh, it seems like anime shorthand, to be honest. It's a little bit Kurosawa, yeah. And then at the end of the yeah. sequence, where they kind of hit a ride on a hiss tank. And out of the blue, because obviously Quick Kick mentioned that he was working on a sort of like film set or something, Bazooka's like, on a, on a he like blurts out like the name of some sort of candy bar or something. Frozen Fudgy. Frozen Fudgy. <laughs> Frozen fudgy. <laughs> You got any of those on you? And then Quick Kick sings the song. Was Ron Friedman trying to perhaps break into jingle writing? <laughs> because it seems like he's putting together a showreel of of jingles and ditties that he's done the lyrics to. I feel like the end of the series, the big question is like, how hard was G.I. Joe trying to get away from a military vibe at this point? Big time. Very it's much. It's possible, hey? Well, even their soldiers are not dressed like soldiers anymore. And some of them aren't even soldiers, as in the case with Quick Kick. Who is more deserving of his position in G.I. Joe, the animated series, than Bazooka is? Or even Alpine? Well, firstly, Quick Kick going toe-to-toe with four soldiers, then Storm Shadow rescuing Bazooka and Alpine, and then they get underneath a pest tank. These are actually like ballsy action star things to do. Alpine and Bazooka have pussyfooted around doing anything substantial throughout the entire appearance in this miniseries, except for the Yodel, which proved to be ineffective uh, in the long run for them anyway. You got this guy, this complete rookie from a back lot, who's actually shown more military prowess than the two military guys. Or the military guy and a half, let's be fair. Well, it Um, it almost proves, (laughs) I mean, it's your willpower and your resolve to actually be a G.I. Joe more than it is the training that they receive. Because, I mean, obviously Bazooka and Alphard were trained, but they're not using that training very effectively. No. And this man comes along and he basically kicks the ass of all these people, as you said. And he kind of proves that he is as much a G.I. Joe as they are. Kind of almost like the introduction of Shipwreck as well. Yes, he may be an yeah. evil man, but wasn't he kind of characterized as a smuggler? Yeah. And But then he yeah, proves himself kind of to the Joes. He, he can be as good as they are. So, I mean, in the end, the cartoon series is almost saying it's not really about the training, but it's about your attitude and your mindset. In fact, I'd wager that if G.I. Joe could consist entirely of these shipwreck or quick kick-esque volunteers, they'd be a far more effective fighting force. Mm. (laughs) It's like these ad hoc volunteers come in and save the day. They are the men. Yes. But let's not give it all away because there's more ad hoc volunteers down the road or further down the road. Men and women. (laughs) Mm. So... Alpine, Quick Kick, and Bazooka jump onto his tank and ride away into the sunset to a lovely little ditty. Meanwhile, on the flag, flag, in uh, uh, air quotes, Roblox has brought his prisoner back. And I think this is a little interesting sequence. It's almost like a time waster. Tomax tries to escape from the Joes, but he doesn't quite manage it. He's like, he has a little like trick up his sleeve where he's like, Oh, you'll find all the answers in my amazing symbol on my chest here. <laughs> Let everyone on the entire deck of this aircraft carrier look at it, including the guys standing in the tower in the background. And he flashes everyone. I was on par with the uh, Superman foil emblem that he throws in the movie. I mean, it was very similar to that. 
it's just so weird. Like, and then he does that, and suddenly, instead of jumping into the ocean or something, he decides, I'm going to climb up to the mast. I'm just going to climb as high as I can go. <laughs> Um, I oh, hope come no on, one buddy. sees me up here. Would you seriously consider jumping into the ocean? What kind of escape plan is that? See ya, suckers. <laughs> I'll swim home. <laughs> well, then at least try and go below decks. Mm. I mean, that's an option. Yeah, that is an option. But I mean, hold on, just just rewind. Yeah. How does he escape again? Like, where does he go? Within seconds, he has run up the tower and onto the mast. Like to, I suppose, like the the sort of like up some rigging, up rigging, yes, yes, mm-hmm. on kind an eighteenth <laughs> century rigging, very convenient, which we will we will get to. So he attempts to escape, he attempts to escape, but it doesn't work out for him. But his attempt to escape is very useful for Cobra actually, because in experiencing the sensation of falling. Meanwhile, at Cobra HQ, Zaymot is experiencing the sensation of falling. Where he's explaining to Cobra Commander, I'm falling! <laughs> and Cobra Commander's like, it's what like, what is cloud fuckery? <laughs> what hysterical idiocy is this? Basically, um, yeah, sort of voicing our opinions of this entire five-part cartoon series. Cobra Commander is so meta. He is exceptionally meta. And then, of course, Destro decides to tell Cobra Commander the secret of Tomix and Zamot's psychic link. Because we haven't been hearing it enough in this show. But, of course, we need to hear it again, because then Zamot elaborates upon this. He's like, oh, because the sensation is so intense, I am able to GPS where my brother is on the planet. <laughs> Proto-GPS. I mean, he's like, ah, because the sensation is so strong, I can feel exactly where my brother is. He is here. Now I will go and save him. <laughs> Let me go, Cobra Commander. The Cobra Commander's like, no, we must focus on the plan. And Zemoth's like, we bankrolled everything. So you better listen to us, otherwise we will pull our money. Okay, go and save yeah. your brother. And then... Hail Cobra. Hail Cobra. And the Cobra oh, Commander's no. like, okay, Destro and Baroness... When you get there, activate that, that cube straight away. I actually thought that that was one of the best scenes in this uh, this particular episode was uh, the animators did a great job on, uh, who is it, uh, Zaymot, yes. who's not falling, yes, but yes. feeling it. Just his expression when he realized he's like, oh, safe landing. Like, you can just see him go, whew. Because, like, imagine if you feel falling and you're like, oh, I think I'm dead. Like, I think this is it, guys. And then like, oh, safe. Oh, I mean that's pretty cool. I, I like that moment. So right into all. the arms of Roadblock. Yeah. Ah, he's safe. <laughs> so, Zaymot hauls off to rescue his brother, yes. but insists that Cobra Commander holds off on activating the Pyramid of Darkness until Zaymot has Tomax and has made good on his escape. Yes. So they can escape safely and make it back to the base or whatever, and then you can activate this thing and they all rule the world together. Now, would a Cobra villain really honor such a promise? <sighs> nah. Because then he straight away basically tells Destro and Baroness, when you when you set up this thing, activate it. Go ahead, yeah. do it. Fish Guys like, bush. I'm Jeez. still in the hallway. I can still hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here. I'm just right here. kidding. <laughs> Zaymot rocks up at the flag, you know, instantaneously inside a moray. Yes, a hydrofoil, which oh. is, is beautiful. I actually really enjoy the way that they animated those. They even bothered with the lamprey. Yes. Yeah. Which is quite a nice cool. touch. They also gave it a little armored up look, which was quite cool. The cockpits on the toy... Moray hydrofoil are quite exposed, but in the animation they decided to give it a little bit of plating over there. Maybe it was based off uh, an earlier design, or maybe the designers on the animated show decided, let's make this boat a little bit more hardcore than its toy counterparts. Yeah. And that is the last it's time we plausible. see the Moray in this oh. show. Well, really, at all, just in the pyramid? In the Pyramid of Darkness. Ah. 
the Moray has uh, also another really strong Snake Emblem on it. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's a great vehicle. I, yeah. I really do enjoy it's the design. Perfect. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's a boat. But somehow they just make it look really intense and interesting, which I quite like. Well, oh, and you cool. can fight all over it. Yes. <laughs> there's the cruise space at the back, but I mean, there's this nice big space at the front. You know, there's a missile launcher. But but beyond that, there's this, you know, just empty space where essentially you could kind of like fight all over the thing, which is actually quite cool. So, Zamot decides that now he's going to go save his brother. And simultaneously, Destro and the Baroness... They held back on using the Baroness until this part. Until this moment, because they needed her, yeah. So that um, Destro is going down into the water in his awesome uh, swimsuit. And Baroness is up on top of the water, shouting her favorite phrase. That she's still unable to shout properly. Hobra! <laughs> it's it's amazing. It's amazing that she's still like uh, one mini series later, a year later, she's unable to actually say Cobra. That's her main line. <laughs> no, she has one job. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just shout that thing, and she only ever shouts it once, I think. And then after yeah. that, like you know, we don't need you to say it again. Just say it once. But meanwhile, in Enterprise City, we get a lovely sequence where Snake Eyes and Shipwreck are attempting to escape Enterprise City so they can deliver the laser disc with Saturn's help. But they are held up at a checkpoint. And this is when we get to see the results of their um, disguises from the previous episode, which were kind of teased. And it's a very interesting sort of song and dance sequence. Interesting, you say. Shipwreck, yes. I think, is guilty of the worst rapping I've ever heard. Agitation, friend, that's your scene. Gyration, syncopation, animation, or imagination. Do not provoke my irritation, but agitation, yuck, with a capital bar. Let's amuse the man, compadres. Music to soothe the savage beast. It's oh, putrid. The whole scene is putrid. <laughs> And it also, is, although I must say, boy George Snake Eyes doesn't jar me for some reason. He is wonderful. Like, he's doing little hand movements. He's moving backwards and forwards. Like, he's rocking it. And then you see Timber come out, and Timber's got a little disguise on. And Is Timber wearing a spare Snake Eyes visor? It looks it, that yeah, way. And he's wearing, like, like some sort of like reptilian tail on top of his own tail <laughs> as well. And even Polly gets in on it. Polly's like, you're not leaving me out of this cross-dressing sort of like... Fiasco. Fiasco. I'm putting a fucking disguise on. They're not going to recognize me. The whole thing, you're just... Like, because I, I always am curious, like, what's the intention of a scene? I can't figure it out. I cannot figure it out. Because, I mean, you're taking the coolest visual character and dressing up like that. completely undermining it, which is... I mean, it, it's weird, but I think it's also very interesting at the same time. You're just completely undermining the image of Snake Eyes. And uh, turning it on its head. I don't know. It's it's tough to swallow. Terrible. Doesn't it, like, their cover fail anyway? It does. But, I mean, even Saturn, just before they kind of reveal themselves, she we get the third example of, um, you know, sort of an appeal of authority threat in the series, where she's like, you guys got to let me pass. I'm a singer. Singers don't have to, like, have identification on them. Wait until, you know, Cobra Commander hears about this or something like that. Oh, she actually says she's on her way to perform for Cobra Commander and Destro. Yes. At that very moment. <sighs> and it's a good thing she decided to uh, swing by the Mobile Assault Strike Command garage <laughs> to pick up a van. Yeah, exactly. Because this <laughs> thing converts into an armored car complete with a spring-action battering ram. Yes. Which allows them to escape the city. It's quite intense. <laughs> it's quite an intense moment. Yeah. yeah, no, she reveals herself to be an agent of Mosk. <laughs> so it, to spell it out for the listeners who didn't get it before. It's quite brilliant. It's quite brilliant. Brilliantly weird. For some reason, I accept it. Well, because it's only one of a string of incredible devices we see debuting in this particular part of the Pyramid of Darkness. Yes, very much so. Now now we get back to the uh, Sea of Lost Souls, where Destro is very precisely repositioning the cube according to ver- vertical uh, alignments <laughs> and, and things like this. And, and out of the blue, he's like, 
I, I wouldn't mind seeing behind me because um, the Joes have arrived, Flint and, and Lady J and their troop. Lady J has gone into the water and mm-hmm. he's kind of done, doing shots. all of these very complex calculations. And he's like, I wouldn't mind uh, you know, having a look at my face while I'm doing this. And the cube kind of produces this, this mirror for him to see behind himself. And he manages to see Lady J and this allows him to intro um, a new invention of his. Straight out of Japan. <laughs> An invention called the Robotopus. 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 The Robotopus. Provides hours and hours of entertainment. It works with an app on your phone. Buy it now. <laughs> you just throw it and, it and it does what it has to do. <laughs> it's quite convincing as it attacks Lady J. And Lady J then shows off incredible technology that she has. <laughs> a, a laser ring, which she uses to kind of blind the Robotopus. And make it no. turn into a ball again. Yes, and then she's able to use that against Destro. But not before he is able to activate... The Swiss Army Knife Cube. Yes. <laughs> but of course, before Great he audit. does that... Phantasm. Before nice. he does that, <laughs> Zemot still has to save his brother in a very, very unique way. Also making use of a rather unique item of technology... <laughs> One which which I would like in toy form, if you don't mind. I would love saying, to have so. these. What are they called again? The starflies. <laughs> which which uh, one of the sailors decides to say, "Oh, look at all the pretty butterflies!" <laughs> Just before they are knocked out. Mm, the fool. They're not pretty butterflies. They're starflies. They're which... starflies which knock you out. Uh-huh. Apparently, and but look. Pretty spiffy, I must say. They're beautiful. Yeah, they like basically what he does is he just unleashes like some kind of extremely potent LSD. I like this. Some kind of psilocybin on those people, and then they just fucking see butterflies. As an audience, we got to see the butterflies. God knows what everybody else saw. We're on that trip with them. I'm still there, man. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't come down yet. No, I mean it's it's completely tragic, but I I do like Paul's explanation. Now, now I like it again. It makes sense because I mean, <laughs> like, it's like, what are they seeing? No, come well, on. it's kind of like the uh, I forget who the writer is for Batman, but like the explanation behind or how he kind of retconned Batman '66 into the Batman mythology was just said like during that era they were just completely hopped up on uh, Mad Hatter gas or something. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> Grant Morrison. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Yeah, he kind of like retconned it. He was like. That explains that entire period of Batman's life. They were just on drugs a lot of the time. <laughs> Him and, and, and little uh, Dick Grayson. You know, they were just like running around on drugs. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, the, these starflies allow Zaymar to save his brother. Just in time, as Destro, you know, overcomes the Robotopus and activates the control cube. <laughs> the Robotopus. It's brilliant. <laughs> He activates the control cube, and finally, Cobra Command is happy because now the Pyramid of Darkness is complete, and it covers the entire Northern Hemisphere. Well, yeah, the entire Earth. Um, you guys would still be good, right? <laughs> yeah, we would be perfectly fine. We would be like, shit, what's happening up there? Oh, it's blackouts. Whatever. We got electricity. Oh, the Rand would just strengthen, thank God. Exactly. We would actually <laughs> nice. be able to get more Joe toys at this time. So thanks, Cobra. Yeah. Well, you guys as long are as they can the send enough long You guys bits. can't wait for the test ball. <laughs> I, I, this has to happen. <laughs> so, yes, so Cobra actually achieves their goal. This never happens in any of the miniseries ever. No, actually, it happens in every single one of them. <laughs> We're always in the, in the penultimate episode. They achieve their goal, and everything has come to the lowest point. It's Empire Strikes Back all over again. Bam. But luckily, <laughs> you know, the Cobra's prepared. They've got a, a wonderful Viking boat as they make their slow escape from the G.I. <laughs> Joe's. Stroke stroke stroke, stroke! 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 Sir, are you, do you want us to move these oars or uh, I, I keep stroking you? Stroke! <laughs> stroke! Uh, do you think he's okay? Do you think he's trying to tell us something? <laughs> I'm having a stroke! <laughs> Meanwhile, Tomex and Zaymot are off literally jumping the shark. <laughs> Which I gotta say would make a cool toy for real. 
what a raft powered by a shark. A shark. And I'm not talking about the submersible high-speed attack and reconnaissance craft. No, we uh, literally an actual <laughs> living and breathing shark. They've harnessed yeah. the power of the shark. The shark power. How did I miss that detail? It's like horsepower of the sea. <laughs> shark power. <laughs> yeah, I think it's awesome. a very quick shot, isn't it? They've got rubber ducks or dinghies strapped to a or pair Zodiacs of sharks. For the American Zodiacs. For yeah. Which they make their getaway on. So not only did they anticipate the treachery of Cobra Commander, but they packed some sharks and life rafts <laughs> on the mores that they brought in. I mean, what's going on? What I don't understand, though, is, okay, it affects electricity, but, I mean, it's just engines on a boat. Why do they stop working? I mean, is electricity so integral to, like, the the, the working of a boat that they can't sure. just fire up the engines? That answer is Well, the yes. electronic system, it gets shot. So, yeah, there's, like... What starts the engine? Especially with something of that magnitude. Well, I mean, yeah. you're pulling the cord thing. I don't know. I'm not a no, typical the, man. No, no, no. For, for something like a Zodiac, yeah, I don't understand uh, its reaction to some kind of electromagnetic phenomenon like that. I don't think it would seize up, personally. But then again, you know, none of us are experts. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, essentially, I mean, the way I understand the pyramid of darkness is like a blanket EMP, an electromagnetic pulse that is constant. And somehow Cobra Commander almost suggests that he can control which zones underneath the actual pyramid are, you know, sort of like controlled or he can kind of allow certain people to use electricity. So it's it's yeah. weird. I think they're still working out the kinks on that one. Seriously. I think if they succeeded, they would ultimately lose. <laughs> so Thomas is out sail away. So did Destro and Baroness. And also Thomas is going to kind of reveal at this point that they're not necessarily working with Cobra Commander. Dun, dun, dun. Which is which is crazy because they release a flare, which is a signal to the Dreadnoughts to actually betray Zartan on a space station Delta and take over. They this. also left everybody blind after they shot of that flare. Because can you imagine how <laughs> bright that must have? You can see Seriously. it from space. I mean, like God. from space, you can see like what the Great Wall of China. I mean, that's essentially it. Like, how bright is this Apparently, thing? No, it's a thing? lie. It's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I thought this was quite a crazy twist. Because, I mean, previously, you have had, like, Destro kind of being like, he talks against Cobra Commander's plans. He's like, this is a stupid plan or whatever. <laughs> like, I really don't like that you're doing this. But he doesn't actively work against Cobra Commander. But here, Tomic and Zalman have been, actually been planning their own plans. Are they 85 released, too? Correct. Yes, yeah. they are. So Double they've pack. been actually planning in the series itself to actually backstab Cobra Commander. And they seem to do an exceptionally effective job of that in this moment. Hmm. It reminds me of something that's happened before. You don't say it. Dial back the clocks a year, and it was Zartan going out on his own, doing the, precisely the same thing, and going against his masters, also using the Dreadnoughts. But what makes this different is that we realize the Dreadnoughts don't owe any loyalty to Zartan at all. Because the twins succeed in turning the Dreadnoughts against their own master. Which might not seem like much because they are mercenaries at the end of the day. But you'd expect them to have at least some kind of mutual respect for Zartan. You know, if someone's yeah. planning on double-crossing their boss, the person they answer to directly... And you don't bite the hand that feeds you chocolate donuts. Boom. <laughs> Grape soda. Gummy rats. But that is quite <laughs> crazy. I mean, you know, it's it's really not about ideals for them. It it, it literally it's the money. It's not it's not about yeah. being true to a commander of any sort. For each of them it's about who will give us the most money possible. If it's mm. not Zartan through Cobra Commander, if someone asking for more money, they're more than happy. Fundamentally, I got a problem with this, though. I mean, just because those kind of individuals, biker gangs, they would despise a corporate patsy. Yeah, exactly. And what kind of message are we sending to the children saying that money is not important? They're basically saying only bad guys care about money. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just it's not to like Tomax and Zaymot are a bunch of corporate suits. They <laughs> dance around in clown outfits like everybody else. 
know, <laughs> metal yeah. boots and like you, you do have a no, point there. They put quite an ornate cod piece. That must count for something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell, the twins look more like dreadnoks than they look like businessmen. But uh, I don't think they look like either, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, Tomex and Zaymot are like totally the El Polo. What's the name in Breaking Bad? That chicken place? The El Polo something. Oh, Pollo Loco? Pollo Loco, yeah, there we go. Yeah, so like, I mean, that that's they, how like, you know. They do have the classic hair. Wall Street hair, though. Like the park, yes. you know, and their kind of like greasy demeanor. Yeah, no, they're rocking it out there with Patrick Bateman, and they're doing lines. They're terrible. They totally have to do bike. How great would... Where did they get their coke from? (laughs) How great (laughs) would it be to get that actor to play those guys? Yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah, that would be sick. That is a good costing call, I think. Bad. They can play both. That would be amazing. So while Destro and Baroness are rowing away on their Viking boat, and (laughs) Tomix and Zamot are being uh, drawn away by sharks... Flint comes up with a very, well, I suppose, not necessarily original idea, but an exceptionally implausible idea for how the flag, um, sorry, I mean the aircraft carrier, (laughs) is going to make its way out of the uh, Sea of Lost Souls. They decide to attach gigantic sails to the aircraft carrier as if it was a typical sailing ship. Can somebody lay out for me real quick what the locale of the Sea of Lost Souls was? Was it a bunch of busted up boats? Yeah, it's kind of like there's a bunch of like shipwrecks in this area. That's a great environment. It's a very beautiful location, kind of like you just see all these broken ships and shipwrecks over probably centuries, like kind of just like crashed all over the place. So basically, they're in Mozambique. <laughs> oh, the is, that, the is there a bunch of like washed up on shore uh, boats and stuff? It seems that way, yeah. I mean, either yeah. either like the waters there are like the depths of the water is like well, un- let me unknowable. in a general way get ignorant with you for a second. Um, do you guys have all seen Age of Ultron, right? Yes. Sadly, yes. There's the yes. Uh, part Happy where they go to Africa for five minutes and you see a bunch of uh, beached kind of like freighters. Is that yeah accurate? That must be somewhere what probably northwest or west Africa. I'd say it's on the yeah. west coast, so it's on the other side yeah. of Mozambique, uh, like okay. the skeleton coast, like Namibia. I don't actually know where exactly that is shot. I should look it up. The urban environments where the Hulk and Hulkbuster Iron Man throw down is, in fact, downtown Johannesburg. Downtown I have Johannesburg. those streets. Yeah, it's pretty it's brilliant, so. and it's cool because it's not doubling as another location. In Age of Autumn, that is Johannesburg. There are African police officers in their uniforms, and they are decking yeah. it out in Johannesburg. I mean, it's it's not doubling for any other place at that point, which I mean, yeah, I really that's... appreciate that as as a moment in the actual movie. But I suppose you don't really pick that up unless you are actually from South Africa. It's just some random like non-American city. Gotcha. Very non-American city. But anyway, yeah. we we are sidetracking. So <laughs> with sails attached. The aircraft carrier suddenly becomes a gigantic sailing boat, and they're able to get away from the Sea of Lost Souls, which is quite fantastic. And it's at this point where we take a little sort of moment to get back to Snake Eyes and Shockwave, where Saturn leaves them. And we get this little moment where she actually explains a little bit about her own backstory of why she helped them, which I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a little, in- I mean, it, it's a bit um, trite. But it's also a little intense, emotional at the same time. <laughs> like, oh, my father was killed by the Cobras, and I just had to get back. Killed! Double cross, dude. Double cross. Double cross. <laughs> double, well, it's, it's, it's implied like, that he was killed. I mean, what does is, what is double cross imply? Oh, yeah, uh, they all went out for lunch, and Cobra Commander stiffed him on the ball. <laughs> I mean, but she seems really sad about it. I think, I think he was killed. So, obviously... <laughs> she totally alludes to that in her song when she sings... He stuck me with the bill, but I think of him still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Which is quite crazy. And then she leaves them, like, there. Well, like... she speeds off in her mask crusader van. Uh, it seems Shipwreck has been doing plenty of training with the G.I. Joe green shirts because she's speeding off and he's keeping pace with her. While she's telling him this backstory. Yeah. yeah. He's running. Outside the vehicle. And the bitch doesn't even stop, man. What a cow. <laughs> and she's like crying about it. She's like wiping her eyes, but she's still like, you know, pedal to the metal. I'm going to tell you this story until you lose interest and fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Bitch. 
He, he's yeah, in like for the he, long haul. Yes, he was very into her. You know, she has that thing that clicks in girls' brains, you know, when, you know, like, sometimes you, you get these girls, you guys all know who I'm talking about, not any specific woman, just in general, uh, where they let a guy hit on them, like, for most of the evening, and they're all like, yeah, that's really great, and then they see the guy they want, and they actually go for him, you know, and then they usually use some kind of very cruel way of getting rid of that guy, so she totally just pulled that on him, you know, she's like, oh, she used him up until this point, and then she's like, yeah, fuck it, <laughs> I got what I needed, I gotta get out of here now, kind of situation, <laughs> mean, mean girl. She doesn't say where she's going? I don't think so. I mean, she kind of just leaves. She's just emotionally like, overwhelmed and decides to split. Yeah, she just she can't hang out with them anymore. You know, she's gotten them out of the city. she got to go her own way. And I suppose we hope she returns. They're not in dresses anymore, right? No, they kind of take off the disguises and they're like, okay, we got to get this laser disc to Jojo HQ. And that's their current mission. And that's where we leave them this episode. Yeah, Shipwreck's like, Snake Eyes, don't, don't say anything about this. And, Sh- and Snake Eyes kind of looks at him. <laughs> you bet. But that I'm not even gonna justify that with an answer. <laughs> Look on his face. And now we get to see uh, Cobra Commander's reaction to actually being betrayed by Tomex and Zamot because now they kind of they return triumphantly to the Cobra base and like and he's like, What? What are you doing? Why are you doing this to me? But in the end he acquiesces and he actually agrees to cooperate with them. Mm-hmm. Can't argue with yeah. the money. Yep. And you can't argue with Is the trio of Dreadnoughts calling the shots on Space Station Delta. Mm. Does anyone mm. else find it odd that Torch seems to be leading the Dreadnoughts? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have thought more like maybe Monkey Wrench would be more in charge. At least yeah, you mean Buzzer. Buzzer, yes, 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 Buzzer, mm. yeah. But it does seem to be amateur hour because they gave uh, Dusty command responsibilities as well, so... Yeah, that's you know, true. Anything well, goes on Space Station Delta, and I mean the blonde Bimbo is also, you know, being captured. So Duke, for those of you not following. <laughs> the, well, yeah, Duke's at, even at this in point, this show? the GI Joe commander Duke is captured, and he's yeah, we've seen him like we haven't seen him at all in the last two episodes. Oh, Michael Bell must have been so upset like, when oh. he saw how little script he had in this show. No money. <laughs> but while inside the Cobra base, outside the hisses are returning, you know, from the, the mountain of ice. They come all the way from the Arctic, wherever that was, back to the Cobra base. And the three Joes, or the two Joes and Quick Kick, decide to sort of ditch their rides at that point. Because they're like, no ways do we want to go inside, you know, wherever these guys are going. Which runs so counter to the typical G.I. Joe logic of like, there's a Cobra base? Let's just infiltrate it. Yes, I mean, we characterized do. by, like, Roadblock in, in, like, the previous miniseries. I mean, Shipwreck he, in this one? Yes, as well. But these guys decide, okay, um, it's more important than we actually get away from this. They're almost very cowardly in the way that they're like, no ways do we want to get stuck in there. we got to get out of here. Well, they're managing the situation, right? Look, dudes, if you uh, were on the verge of infiltrating a Cobra base... And you look to your right and you see Bazooka. And you look to your left mm-hmm. and you see like a shirtless Hollywood stuntman dude. Who, for all we know, might be a Cobra agent anyway. Mm. I mean, the way yeah. he took out Storm Shadow. Very suspicious. I uh, mean, come on. Too easy. So Alpine was just going with the best odds. And the best odds said, get the hell out while the going is good. Because they spot the Cobra airship. Yes, which we saw featured oh. in the previous miniseries, mm-hmm. which, I know, which I think is quite cool. Like a year later, at least in production-wise, you know, yep. I'm making these series. Yeah. They kind of bring back this semi-iconic ship. Snake-headed plane. plane. Which is which is quite cool. So they, they manage to sneak on board to this thing, and they make their way to the cockpit. But as they're getting on board, they're being shot at by Cobra officers, or these Cobra troops who see them getting on board. And... They climb on board this thing and they rush to the cockpit, but we get the shot as they're kind of coming past us of three Cobra troops popping up at the back of the plane, kind of <laughs> hiding behind trouble bubbles. And my question <laughs> is, what were these three Cobra dudes doing back there, hiding at the back of an airplane in the dark, like kind of very like suspiciously, like, what? 
What were they doing back then? They were smoking weed. Nice. They were <laughs> yeah. they were updating their social media. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, they were doing cult, man. Like they, you know, they're like. It's very weird. It's like they hear these sounds and like, whoops, we better um, zzzz, um, let's get dressed, guys. <laughs> Something's going yeah. down. Well, I didn't want to go there, but you know. <laughs> well, uh, whatever they, they were doing. They were playing hide the his tank. <laughs> Whatever they were doing, they do not shirk their responsibility because the Joes managed to get this this bird in the air. Quick kick proves that, um, as well as being a stuntman and like the best martial artist in the entire planet, he is also a pilot as well. Um, he gets it in the air, and a fight breaks out between the Joes and the Cobras, and this is and this is the build up to probably. My favorite cliffhanger of the series so far, because it feels like there's actual danger going on here, mm-hmm. because they're fighting inside the cockpit, suddenly no one is at the controls, and then the controls are knocked forward, and the plane starts to descend to the, you know, descend, well, to the planet, and everyone is pushed away from the controls by G-forces, a quick kick says, he's like, <laughs> oh, too much G-forces, <laughs> oh, I cannot reach controls. Okay, well, his accent isn't like that, but... Um, we get the point. <laughs> and the plane is going down, the G-forces, and it's like, to be continued. Okay, I know they're not going to die. But at the same time, I also feel like this is a proper danger moment. We have people like, oh, shit, I forgot how to swim in, in boiling lava stuff. In the previous episode, it was seals trying to, like, kill people. I mean, fucking cute seals, which, like, people want to save. And you sealed my ass. Sea lions are dangerous, dude. <laughs> Watch National Geographic, man. And of man. course, episode one is... <laughs> was the saw blades because, um, yeah, security is yeah. like super lax. I'm with Paul. Sea lions are, are brutal. So I mean, that's that's they a real threat. Bastards, man. They're like they're like orcas. They like jump on the ice floe and stuff like that, and like crazy, man. They're just nasty. I'm sure they do, <laughs> but I mean, the way that most of the time that they're portrayed, they. they they kind of portray it as being like really cute and fluffy, like you. Oh yeah, you know you always see the their seals. fluffy adolescent selves on like calendars and shit. You want to you know? save the seals, save but it. to me, crashing in a plane is is kind of like a more immediate danger than being eaten by seals. But that's neither oh, here I, nor there. I, agree. I think I'm, I'm I'm glad. Now I'm wondering what is Stevens' high and low for this episode. <laughs> My high for this episode, guys. Destro has started to lose his mind. <laughs> I mean, what am I going to pick on first? Is it his latest invention? The Robotopus! <laughs> Is it his fucking... Don't knock it. His Viking <laughs> boat? Stroke, stroke, stroke. <laughs> that's, that's how he wants to get back to the Cobra Temple. And it all seems to be concurrent with the fact that things are hotting up between him and the Baroness. Yeah, she's fucking loving that <sighs> metal helmet of his. She's like tonguing that thing. Taste of it. your reflection in it. <laughs> Almost as sweet as you. <laughs> and then the Baroness is like, Oh, that's wrong. You're something. so funny. Well, no, the, the line she says is almost indecipherable, but I think the best of me and Stephen kind of came up with is, Oh, dear Romeo, how gallant. Whoopsie. <laughs> <laughs> Just Romeo. Lord Morgan. Who's that? That voice. was meant to be the Baroness in response to um, Destro laughing at her. Some voice that's coaching. exactly what she says. She says, Just Romeo. Oh, my Just Romeo. How gallant. Is that actually what she says? Because, like, we oh, were yeah. there, like, that's two or three what times. she says. And we had no Wait, idea. Yeah, no. Is there any other dancing and or singing numbers left in the series? I'm not sure, because I haven't actually watched episode 5 yet. We're not going to give away a spoiler. Uh, all right, that all is right. spoiling, but I mean, up to now, we've certainly had several song and dance numbers. It's refreshing, I think. So Stephen's best moment was the way that Destro was doing weird shit? Or was, was that your worst moment? That, that was my best. Oh, I, that was your I, best, I think, how think... weird Destro is. <laughs> You've always loved Destro. <laughs> but he's all kinds of strange. This entire miniseries is an example of just how much of a whack job Destro has been made out to be. After being like the most serious badass of the Cobra team, now he's like somewhat of a joke. He's just laughing everything off. So basically, they hire Paul or an artist, and they're like, well, I- I'm not familiar with this character, Destro. And they're like, oh, he's like the Joker except for G.I. Joe. <laughs> 
<laughs> Pretty much. And punctuates everything he says with a big laugh. It's as pervasive as the G.I. Joe's shouting Yo Joe. Destro just can't do a damn thing without <laughs> It's Oh that was a good one. <laughs> My worst Storm Shadows defeat ah. disgusting. It would have been such a great payoff if Quick Kick in fact was a Cobra agent and it had all been a setup. But after Storm Shadow being so honorable and so cool in the previous miniseries, fighting spirits to a standstill, and eventually the two beleaguered warriors deciding, let's stop this, and just being absolutely shown up by this rank amateur. I'm sorry, man, say what you will about Quick Kick, but in my eyes, he will always be a faker. He's a Bruce Lee knockoff. He's not a soldier. He has no official training. He's just a dude running around in pajamas. No affiliation to the Arashi Kage clan. He's a joke. So, yeah, I'm just hating on the quick kick. Sorry. <laughs> Racist. I think uh, he's cool. Let me step to that, and then I'll springboard like a uh, Cobra Twin. I do think that for him to be dismissed like that is definitely the low point of the episode. Because he almost feels like somebody that almost people should avoid on the battlefield, unless it's him and Snake Eyes. And then they're like, okay, let's do this again. Yeah, that's the low point for me. And I kind of like that moment with the telepathic link between the twins and the, uh, oh, I landed safely. I don't know why. It stuck with me. His expression was kind of, you're like, oh, okay. They nailed it. Mm, nice. That's all. For me, I really enjoyed the uh, double cross. Uh, Zaymart and Tomax kind of screwed Cobra Commander over. I like that. I think it's very well done, especially because Cobra Commander is very super confident. I mean, this is typical Cobra Commander behavior, but patting himself on the back in the beginning of this miniseries, and, you know, this has really been a great scheme, <laughs> you know, usual shit. But Zaymart and Tomax are like, mm, no, we bankroll this shit. We got your number, you know what I mean? And I enjoyed that. Showed a little bit of maturity in the writing, and it just re-emphasized that these guys are actually bad guys. Low point for this, that whole musical section with Shipwreck, I really, really, really hate that. In fact, I can't even get it out of my head right now. It's like... Fuck, it drives me crazy. It's the Lucas Jabba scene. Yeah, it's exactly that. It's Return of the Jedi, re-release for DVD... Fuck up the Jabba Palace scene. It's as grating as that for me, I, I gotta be honest. So that's my low point, and that's me. Well, for me at least, there are many high points in this episode. As I think I did with the previous series, I've kind of come to accept certain weirdnesses and contrivances of the cartoon series, you know, as opposed to the sort of real world realism of the comics. Even like the ro- Robotopus is just so hilarious that, like, it's so stupid. But I find it so funny that I'm accepting it. So my low point, that whole rap session. But I still like that scene because of what they've done to Snake Eyes. It's so unexpected. Yeah, as I mentioned early on in the episode, I think uh, he's cool. I do like Snake Eyes' boy George look. It just works. It's interesting. But while we've got Paul, what is your rating for this episode? Uh, Three stars. It makes the others seem a bit superfluous. No, I I would agree. I mean, I really do enjoy this episode. And I'm actually going to double my highest score so far, and I'm going to give this four. What the F? I really freaking enjoy this episode. I think it's hilarious in, like, the small moments, and the comedy of it is just so funny. The the print of darkness, it's it's happening. Like, the plans are coming to fruition. And now, Jojo has one episode to solve this entire problem. So, that's a four from me. Shit, I didn't think I'd ever go that high. I'm going to give it a half star for every single new MacGuffin the episode presents. So, it's going to get a half star for the control cube producing a rearview mirror, (laughs) which is why I call it (laughs) the Swiss Army Knife control cube. It's going to get a half star for Destro's Robotopus. <laughs> it's going to get a half star for the Starflies. Mm-hmm. It's going to get a half star for Saturn's Mask Crusader Van. Giving it a total of two stars out of five wow, from this guy. Wow, so you actually enjoy this episode less than any of the other episodes thus far. Well, a lot of it has to do with Quick Kick. Wow, so Quick Kick really destroyed this episode for you. No love, man, no love. The fact that it managed to dispatch Storm Shadow that easily, 
Ron Friedman penned Storm Shadow was a very potent warrior in the previous miniseries. And to have all that credibility robbed... It was really cold. That hurts me, man. You know, I think Storm Shadow wasn't at his best. It hurts me in ways that I... The dude was barefoot, man. I mean, he was pretty hardcore. I mean, I think Stormshare was just really intimidated by this guy. He was like, this guy is really crazy. He's out here in this this bitter cold. He's not wearing shoes or a shirt. Apologies, I missed another MacGuffin. Oh, really? I've got to include it because it is a valid one. What is it? Tomax's Cobra Sigil. Yes, the, the flashback. Okay, there we go. Nice. We've gotten back to Stephen's average score for this entire series of 2.5. Mm-hmm. So far, Stephen's favorite episode was part one. Yep. Well, a lot to be said for water robots. <laughs> I think that leaves us with your score, Cujo. I'm inspired by your uh, previous words. You know, I'm I'm a villain at heart, so there's not too many physical villains in this miniseries. Storm Shadow does not show up, so uh, no love there. But the twins are winning this episode, and so I kind of like that. I do buy into the Hypno emblem and the Starflies. <laughs> yes. Yes. LSD. I mean, they're my new favorite weapon, Starflies. You just throw, like... <laughs> little sparkly things at people and they're just like okay you just put the micro dot on your tongue and like <laughs> half an hour later you're you're just you're, you're somewhere else all man. The pretty butterflies. starflies my friend uh yeah i'm gonna give it uh, on the strength of the twins really uh doing everything right this episode i'm gonna give it a four whoa that's incredible you have matched my score <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this so far has been mine and Kudo's favorite episodes. <laughs> I think that's, that's I'm going to read him his rights. Here's one right, and here's another right. Uh, Roadblock, you <laughs> don't know you're left and right, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've not called attention to Roadblock's dialogue at all. I mean, his dialogue is so painful to listen to at times. He, he's trying to make everything into a rhyme. He's probably saying things he doesn't want to say. It, it's just strange. <laughs> he's trying really, really hard to get those things out. But, yeah, so our average for this episode is 3.375. So, on average, actually, this is our best episode thus far. Paul, what do you suspect will happen uh, next episode? Uh, you mean aside from G.I. Joe winning? Oh. <laughs> Spoilers! I was hoping you were going to do your line, man. What do I have to say to <laughs> I think, well, we'll see. You know, maybe next episode shit does get real. Oh, there it is. <laughs> that's it, and I, that's a brilliant way to end this episode. Shit. Audience members, it's going to get real in the next episode. Join us tomorrow for the conclusion of Pyramid of Darkness. We are out! Woo!